trying their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Out of us, Darren Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks win. spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no count. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Thursday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, Sandos in the sidekick tonight. ETSU women's basketball versus Sanford. We'll have the preview coming up in just a few moments for you. We'll also talk to Crazy Coach. Yes. Your favorite uh, coach of all time. Four quarters. And uh, is it, uh, what's our other segment? Daniel Hooker. Daniel Hooker, Western Western Carolina. Carolina. That's right. Actually, we got to hurry the segment up because he's calling in segment number two. And we'll talk to him about Saturday's contest. On tomorrow's show, we'll have a full preview from ETSU's perspective. But today, we'll take a look at uh, Daniel Hooker in Western Carolina, his thoughts on that. But tonight, let's start there. ETSU women's basketball. They've won two in a row. And now they're going to take on a team that is going to make this as slow as molasses. So it would seem. Uh, they're having some similar problems to last year, the Sanford Bulldogs. Uh, they've had a couple bad years uh, back-to-back, as a matter of fact. This year, they're having some of the same issues that have led to that in the past. Poor rebounding. I mean, they're negative 7 on the, on the glass this year. They were negative 5 last year. Scoring, they're under 60 points per game again. But they have had some results lately that you think, well, they're probably going to make it pretty tough on ETSU, an overtime loss to Mercer. And granted, Mercer, I think, Jay, you and me would both agree, do not look like the same team that they have in the past. Uh, this year they've made a lot of games against the Sanford, against the Western Carolina even, where they won by two a lot closer than certainly last year and years previous would have indicated. But still, to take Mercer to overtime for Sanford, that was kind of an unheard of proposition over the last couple of years. And then a one-point loss to UNCG where they give up a layup with two seconds left. So really we're talking about a play here, a play there. It's not the conjecture. It's not the exaggeration that a lot of coaches and a lot of programs have this time of year. Boy, you know, if it were five or six plays when, in fact, it's like 20 or 25 plays. This is literally two plays, and they would be undefeated in the conference. As it is, they're 6-12 and 12 overall and 1-2 and two in the league. And their only graduate last year, the only player not on the team this year that was with Sanford in the 2017-18 season, Hannah Nichols, she was their leading scorer. But to only lose one and bring back everyone else, that is very, very rare in college basketball. But uh, they are still struggling to score. As we mentioned, there's only one player in double figures. That's Natalie Armstrong, and she's barely there, 10.2 points per game. And again, 59 points to giving up 66. I really do think the game is going to be decided on the boards, I expect a 55-51 type game. I think ETSU can win that kind of game. I think it benefits Sanford more, but I think ETSU can win that type of game. Uh, Erica Haynes-Overton and Micah Sheets both in double figures now for the Bucks. But you look at different rebounding metrics, and these would probably be considered the two worst rebounding teams 
in the league. Of course, 30.2 rebounds per game. That is lowest in the SoCon, uh, Sanford, what they're grabbing per game. But ETSU is giving up 40.5 rebounds per game, and that is the most in the conference. So if Lexus Spears, Sadeja Tips, Brittany Snowden can crash the glass, if you can get Erica Haynes-Overton to go in and grab 10 more rebounds like she did last game, that'd be fantastic, too. You know she's always going to be around the ball. But this is also a Sanford team that's only played four home games, which at this time of the year is absolutely insane. That's half or less than half of any other team in the SoCon. So uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, I think Stanford will be happy to be back home. Um, I think ETSU will not be too happy to be away from Brooks Gym. They are 0-11 when not in Johnson City this year. <laughs> they played, what was it? What was that? 2, 4, 6, 8. They played 8 of 9 games away from home. And they've only got, you said three, oh my God, four home games. Roads. Fourteen road games yeah. and three home. My they're, goodness. They're that, only, well, it, it's, it's, that's just, oh, it's, that's, it's four. Rhodes, Presbyterian, UAB, and Montevallo. But still, uh, Montevallo is a D2. Um, their home loss was to UAB by 25. Oof. Rhodes is a D3, and that was a 17-point win. And their only D1 home win against oh. Presbyterian out of the Big South, projected seventh of 11 in that league. And we know my feelings on the Big South. Oh, I'm yeah. still just, oh. Yeah, and, and it's, yeah, so five. That's ten, a tough schedule right It's 10 there. of 11 that Holy they played cow. on the road. 10 of, yeah, 10 of 11. Yeah. The only game UAB broke it up from November 12th all the way to December 28th. That's a lot of travel. That is That's vicious. Unbu- and, and all over the world, too. I mean, Memphis isn't that bad of a drive. Auburn's clearly close, but at Denver. Denver, at Colorado, so they made that a swing. And they played it on back-to-back days. So I don't know if that was a part of a tournament or just it was. they just decided. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, otherwise, they just decided to do that. Then they're at Vandy, which getting it that far of a ride, but still. And then three road games to start the year. I didn't do you any yeah. favors. So, holy cow. Um, but, again, I mean, an overtime loss to Mercer, a one-point loss to UNC. Yeah, and I was there for Mercer. Right? I was there for the Mercer game. So it was right before ETSU men's played Mercer. I know you and Kevin Brown said you kind of liked the way they looked. Yeah, Paige uh, Syrup uh, missed a shot with about mm, four seconds to go, give or take. They got a rebound. Um, at the last second, kicked it back out. So uh, Syrup got another opportunity uh, to fire a three. That time she made good, sent it to overtime. Now they, they, they did get a little – they played the long game. So there were a lot of fouls to kind of extend the game, and Mercer just didn't put them away. So I give a lot of credit for Sanford because they were down eight or nine late uh, in the contest in the fourth quarter and was able just to continue to make buckets. Mercer not hitting free throws, got to overtime, kind of ran out of steam in overtime. But it's the typical uh, Mike Morris team. You know, they're going to run the Princeton offense. They're going to slow you to death and back cut you and use all every 30 seconds of shot clock if humanly possible. You know, not a team that scores at a high rate because there's just not that many possessions. So turnovers to me, I know you like rebounding. I'm, I agree with that. But I think turnovers will yeah. be huge because, you know, if you get a normally tissue game, it seems like they get like 80 to 90 possessions in a women's basketball game. And now you shorten that up to 50 or 60 possessions. I mean, I think that's a lot of opportunities that could be missed. Now, you could make that up with some offensive rebounding, but still, I think, you know, with the limited numbers, you better be very efficient on offense uh, against Sanford tonight. Yeah, I I don't mind that take at all. The very interesting stat on turnovers for ETSU, and we'll have more on this during the broadcast, but just a little teaser, I've kind of broken down the home versus away numbers um, and what exactly has gone on away. Now, keep in mind, some of the road games for ETSU, it may come down just to the fact that the teams that they have played when they're on the road 
are incredible. You know, Michigan State, Cincinnati, South Carolina, Rutgers, Western Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, but turnovers in the last five games for ETSU, averaging 15 per game after averaging 22 per game the first 14 games of the year. So I would definitely say turnovers for me would be a 1A type thing. Uh, rebounding turnovers, and maybe a lot of games come down to that, but specifically the numbers tell me in this matchup and with how ETSU has been playing lately that those would be the things to watch. There's for. a lot of times where I've, I've always just said like 70 wins, right? First team to 70 goes, but especially yeah. Sanford. If, oh, you, sure. if you get to 70 against Sanford, I just don't know, uh, and I'd have to spend some time going through the all their scores, but there's probably a couple maybe three times that they've gotten in regulation over 70 points. That would be my guess. Um, they're minus seven on the boards. They do hold teams uh, to very poor three-pointing shooting numbers on the season. I think they're holding teams about 29%. To me, that, that shows, again, they're, they're guarding the put. But I think ETSU has an advantage in the post. I think they're, the quickness, being able to get to the rim. I think if ETSU doesn't forego the three but realizes they can just get easy buckets right at the rack, I think that's the most – important way to attack the Sanford Bulldog team. Well, you make a great point. Uh, five of their six wins, 70-plus points, and they have not reached 70 in any of their losses. So it's a very good point by you. Just a quick breakdown. Hope you join us tonight on the Buccaneer Sports Network pregame at 6.30. Tip at 7. All right. That's when Mike Gallagher will be with you from the B-Ham. I call it the old dirty ham, but Birmingham. And then he'll be on his way. Uh, he'll join us via phone tomorrow yes. as we'll break down all the recap, first of all, the game ETSU versus Sanford. Then we'll have the two previews uh, of the Saturday contest, ETSU women at Mercer, the men at Western Carolina. Speaking of Western Carolina, Daniel Hooker on the other side. He's waiting patiently on the phone. We'll talk to him after this short time. Out to your word from Santos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and Apple, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com. Member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. 
Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news. You don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. Sandos and the sidekick back with you on this Thursday segment two, and we have the pleasure of being joined just like we did football to preview Western Carolina. It is Daniel Hooker from Cullowee, North Carolina, to talk a little Western Carolina Catamount basketball. And Daniel, thank you for taking the time. And before we really get into the X's and O's and about this game Saturday night in Cullowee, a, a change at the top. Uh, for Western Carolina, Mark Prosser comes in for the late Larry Hunter. Larry had just resigned, and then a, a couple weeks later, of course, the unthinkable happened. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's one of those things you, you spend, you know, 12, 13 years of your life working with uh, someone day in, day out, and then, you know, it was a tough day for, for me personally, obviously, when, when Larry resigned, and then getting the phone call of, of him being hospitalized when he had the stroke uh, back in, uh, right during baseball season, and then you know, getting and talking with his wife and learning of, of his passing and, and her asking, you know, when it came down to it, and asked me to help put together the, the biography and the, uh, you know, stuff for the, the, the write-up, the eulogy and things of that sort, um, you know, re- really was a touching moment for me to have that, you know, her ask me to, to help with that. But uh, it was tough for all of us. You know, I spent a lot of time with Coach Hunter, and I don't think you could find, you know, a very more classy guy when it came to coaching. Uh, I think he was one of those elder statesmen in our league, and, um, it was a tough time all the way around, and uh, you know we're, we're, we've we've moved forward and looking forward to it with uh, you know with Coach Prosser and and to, to speak to the kind of guy he is and his staff has been. First thing they did was get a LH patch uh, in white with a, a black uh, circle and have the LH in there to honor Larry Hunter this year in memory. So this whole season on all of our uniforms have that patch on it. So it kind of gives you an idea. The, the respect that they had for the program uh, uh, with uh, with Larry and them coming in. So uh, it's been tough, but, uh, again, uh, time marches on, I guess. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's the, the, the thing about the world. That thing just keeps on spinning around. And for Western Carolina and Coach Prostery did inherit a lot of players that uh, had seen a lot of action for the Catamounts, but certainly he's brought in uh, some new faces, uh, especially one junior college transfer and a true freshman. Both are making some noise. Well, it's one of those things, and our football coach, Mark Spear, kind of really likened it when he and I were talking about it. You know, with Larry's system, it was Princeton-style principles, not so much the Princeton style anymore that that he brought to Western Carolina when he made the move from Ohio, but it had the same principles. There were so many things. It was all about cuts and the movement off the ball and and primary, secondary, tertiary movements off the ball and the cuts. Coach Spear said it's kind of like he recruited a bunch of players to come in and run the triple option. Now you're asking them to run the air raid. Yeah, they can do it, but it may not always look pretty. Uh, they're basketball players. They can run whatever system. The Coach Prosser system is a much more wide-open system. Get the ball up the floor. I won't go as far as calling it Dugger Ball that we see down at the Citadel, but it's more to closer to Dugger Ball than it is to what Larry was running. So, yeah, it's been a different system. And you mentioned Carlos Dotson has been the big 
uh, impact right away, right off the top for us. And then, of course, Cameron Gibson was the freshman that you alluded to. Those guys have been really shots in the arm as far as the newcomers. And, you know, we'll see. Dotson was injured in that UNCG game uh, last weekend or last week Thursday and um, did not play for us against VMI. And I think it's a difference in that ball game because we didn't have our inside game. Other guys had to step up, which they did. Three guys with 20 points uh, or more in that game, but you didn't have your inside presence. And uh, so th those guys have been a big impact. And again, just trying to get through this year, didn't have a full recruiting year. So those guys, Cam Gibson and Carlos Dotson, were two of the big finds. Um, a guy that's not playing this year is Mason Faulkner, was a transfer from Northern Kentucky that's going to help in, in years to come. Um, so short recruiting time for that staff, but now they're you know they're getting their feet wet in the in the conference and getting that going and uh, looking forward to the recruiting for next year. Buck's very familiar with Mason Faulkner because each uh, issue played Northern Kentucky right. in the home series, so saw what he could do firsthand and the, the troubles he can give. I think Saturday and we won't get too much into the X and O's just for a minute or two, but I think Saturday is going to be the best individual matchup, especially if you like in the trenches, because if Dotson can go, you're talking about two of the best rebounders, not just in the Southern Conference, but in all of college basketball right now. Oh, no doubt. I think that's going to be a big matchup down low. Uh, Dotson, again, just trying to you know, got uh, – it was a hard foul against UNCG and nothing nothing malicious. I think we had a similar play in our game at, at your place last year. It was just a hard foul going up trying to make a play for your team and, and Dotson ends up bat hitting a, the basket standard there and uh, had a lower back injury, a wrist that kind of was bothering him, a leg that was bothering him. It was a multitude of things. He tried to come back in that UNCG uh, game and actually made it back into the game but just wasn't wasn't effective. You could tell that back was starting to, to seize up on him but you know, I think he's trying to get ready to go and to be the guy that we need down inside for us. But you're talking rebounding. I mean, you got, what, Rodriguez down there with a dozen boards per game. So uh, I think that'll be a great matchup, those two. You know, because it's hard to match up. I will say for Dotson, what he lacks in size, he, he, he makes up for in strength and girth. When you talk about a guy at 265, looks more like a tight end out there playing. And uh, he's the type of guy that – we played down at Wake Forest this year, and Wake Forest is on the, the south end of what you would call the premier teams in the ACC this year. But Danny Manning going through the handshake line at the end of that game, and we all know Danny Manning from Kansas fame, pretty good big man in his own right, stopped the handshake line, leaned down a little bit, and was talking into Carlos Dotson's ear, basically telling him, you were the best big man on the floor today and, and what he needs to keep doing to continue to become, be successful. So uh, that spoke volumes to see. Uh, Danny Manning stopping the whole handshake line just to make sure he has one on one time there with Carlos. Daniel, Mike Gallagher, good to talk to you again. It seems like especially lately, Western has been in, if not one, games. You had the Sanford one, you had the Citadel win, and four-point loss to Mercer, nine-point loss to UNCG. We know how difficult that team can be. ETSU knows it all too well after this past Saturday, and then a tight game against VMI. Have you seen tangible improvements since, of course, Wofford's going to be tough early in the conference season, that 20-point loss beat ETSU also by 17. But it looks like Western in a number of areas is certainly coming along and perhaps even quicker than many would have thought under a new coach. I think definitely. I think when you talk about quicker than we would expect, it's quicker than I expected. Now, we go back to our, that early, early, early December conference game, which I still don't like from that standpoint. But, you know, we had a double overtime loss against Furman, who at the time – was on the cusp of being nationally ranked, was inside the top 50 in the Ken Palm, was, was doing extremely and playing extremely well, took them to double overtime on their floor. Same team that beat us by almost 40 
on their home floor uh, a couple years prior. So the the improvements you saw glimpses there, but a tough road season. Uh, again, NC State, Wake Forest on the road, Iowa on the road. Uh, some non you know, names that people don't really uh, associate sometimes when you go to Wright State and you're on the road there and you're um, you're going down to Mexico and playing a couple of games. You had College of Charleston, one of those perennial teams that we battled close here to a three-point loss. I think when the more we've gone, you can stop looking at the five and sixteen, which is obviously very ugly when it comes to an overall record. And you look at the two and six, and you're thinking, "Wow, you're right there," and you're probably closer to being a 500 type of ball club. You mentioned the four-point loss there against uh, uh, Mercer on the road, a game that the Catamounts led and had a big drought to start the second half that really, you're up by you know, double, almost, almost double digits. They go on a big run. Next thing you know, you're down by double digits, and we had to fight back in that one. Uh, the close loss against UNCG that without Carlos Dotson in the second half, after he went for 15-11 and 11 against them in the first half, got two points on a bucket. He was actually fouled um, on the play that, that put him out. He made the bucket and finished with 17-11 and 11 in that game and then not having it VMI. But, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a player two here and there, and it could be Carlos Dotson playing the second half against UNCG or playing against VMI at all that we could be talking about a 500 ball club. And, and I think it is a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, the big thing really is just guys finding their roles, knowing what the role is, and going out there and playing that role. And I think that's what's been the, the biggest improvement over the last uh, – you know, two two to three weeks. I think the best thing that happened for this team was the end of the fall semester when it was all basketball, wall to wall during that holiday stretch, which can be a distraction for some teams. I think it actually benefited our team to have that time to really hone in on basketball and not have to worry about uh, everything else that goes around with being a, a collegiate student athlete. Daniel, you mentioned it uh, up late in a couple of these games. Has there been any one thing that you've noticed that if it was shored up, the game would have gone the other way in those three tight losses? Really, honestly, lack of a true point guard. Hmm. Cam Gibson has done his job. Matt Halverson has stepped up into that role. We had a guy uh, in, uh, in Des uh, Desmond Johnson that was going to be that point guard who left the team prior to the start of the season. Uh, you always have turnover with new coaches. There's always somebody that's not going to get along with the new system or not like the new system. And you know, We're looking at a team last year that was looking forward to having Carlos Dotson come in alongside of Mike Amias and have two guys, a Mike Amias guy, an all-conference guy from a year ago, uh, who did dipped his toe into the professional waters, was playing in the uh, the G League out in California after, you know, after leaving here. So, um, you know, I would have loved to have that one-two punch down inside, put Dodson at the five, put Amias at the four, and you got probably one of the best front courts in the conference. But I think the, the lack of experience in the backcourt, and then it just comes down to knowing how to win. And you guys have seen up at ETSU, you've learned how to win over the years. And that culture, that mentality of knowing, hey, yeah, all right, this team's making a run, but we know, we're, we know we can win. Now we've got a team that, again, like we said, 5-16, and 16, they know what the record is, just not knowing how to finish games. Um, point guard issues, turnovers have plagued us all year. And you can look at the stat sheet and see that. Turnovers have plagued us and scoring droughts. And, and finding those stretches where we don't find a way to score. Now, that we've been finding ways to chip away at that. Of course, then you go down to Citadel, who plays an up-tempo game. We turn it over almost 30 times and still win by double figures. So it's like you know, hard to understand. This team could be called a statistical anomaly at times because we're finding ways to win some games, and we're in a lot of games that we probably shouldn't be in based off of the overall talent of our league. But, uh, you know, it's just finding a way. But I, th I think not having that true number one point guard that's going to give me the ball 
I'm going to beat this pressure by myself. Give me the ball. I want the rock at the end of the game. That kind of mentality uh, is what we've been lacking a little bit. We're visiting with Daniel Hooker, Western Carolina. Daniel, talk about the matchup Saturday, 7, Ramsey Center. Uh, if you had to draw it up, and you've seen, obviously, every one of the Western Carolina games, what do the Catamounts have to do to pick up a win Saturday against the Bucks? Well, it's one of those things. We've not had our way, obviously, in this series overall. I mean, it's been an ETSU lopsided series uh, lately. Of course, the one win, I guess, there in the conference tournament back a couple of years ago. But, yeah, it's been a series that has been competitive. It's been tight at times. But we go back to, like, last year's games. How many times did we fall behind 11-0 spurts to start the game, to start the second half, and all of a sudden you're, you're having to fight back? So not having to, to dig out of a hole would be key for us, I think, in that ball game. You know, and, and getting a healthy Dotson back would, would be key. Uh, and then our shooters have got to we got to do what we did this past weekend at VMI where you had Ono Steger who I think out of the transition from from Larry Hunter's style into uh, Mark Prosser's style has been the one guy that's made the best transition uh, really embracing the role of being a slashing cutting guard slash forward he goes for 27 Halverson steps up with some big shots goes for 23 Gibson steps up and goes for 20 I'm not saying they all have to be at that number but they've got to contribute. It's got to be Carlos Dotson has got to get his, and then you've got to have two or three other guys contributing big numbers to, to have an opportunity. Uh, I think it's going to be a game, and, of course, it sounds simplistic to say, but you've got to go outscore you guys. You've got to outscore ETSU. Got to, the athleticism on the floor is really uh, something that I don't know that we match up well with at this point uh, in, the, in the Mark Prosser uh, system, but um, you know, we're going to have to look at guys like a Marcus Thomas who – I think had about a dozen points or so in the second meeting last year. Uh, Mark Gosselin was a guy that has really kind of – he's teetered in this system. He's had some really big games. Mercer was key in stopping that big run when we needed somebody to step up. But, uh, you know, all in all, we just got to find a way to get the ball to Dotson. Dotson's got to have a good game against Rodriguez down low, and then we just got to find a way to control the guard penetration. You guys have been so good at that at least uh, the last handful of years of just – we've not defended guard play well. And I think that's what VMI started going to with some good guard play, and that's how they ended up knocking us off for their conference win this past weekend. But without Dotson in there, we're a totally different look type of team. So we'll see how his health plays out the rest of this week leading into Saturday. All right, that's your breakdown from the West Carolina side of things. Daniel Hooker joins us. Daniel, appreciate it so much, my friend. I'll see you Saturday. Thanks, Daniel. Always looking forward to seeing you guys here. All right, we go from the sane Daniel Hooker to the insane crazy coach. After this time out there, a word from Van Wagner on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead, enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? 
Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Peaceful mornings always <sighs> turn into crazy days. With all the madness, when's a mom supposed to find time for grocery shopping? Fortunately, Food City offers curbside pickup. With the same great in-store prices, I can pick up what I want online. And Food City does the shopping for me. Here you go, ma'am. Have a nice day. <sighs> that moment you realize you are the chaos coordinator. Mother like no other with go-kart curbside pickup only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. I got 22 excuses, 11 on my offense and 11 on my defense. A red zone defense is like Oprah. Like, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. We tried to recruit bigger, better players to come play for us, but they went to good schools. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of mama's boys right now, and uh, we just want buck up and bow our necks, and we got to get through that. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood, too. Hello? You play to win the game. I just hope we can win a game. Well, we didn't block. But we made up for it by not tackling. Ben Wallace and Mo Williams fell down. They're going to do and learn to walk. Yeah, it's back. Crazy coach on this Thursday. I know he's been chomping at the bits to hear what his brethren coaches have said that are outlandish and absurd. Crazy, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back, but I got one thing, Jay. Are we doing this 1v1 or 2v2? I mean, come on. I'm trying to watch, listen to a basketball game last week, and the freaking announcer was talking 1v1, 3v3. What the heck is that? Did, that, did I miss the channel and end up at a soccer game? So, Coach, that means three people are against three people in a fast break. One person is against one person in a fast break. That, that's to signify how many people are in on an active play. I don't know if you've listened to basketball games before, but that's what's going on. No, it's not going on. That might go on in soccer, but that ain't going on in hoops. It ain't happening. I think it happens way more often in hoops than it does in soccer. I think in soccer there's no, usually we're putting eight. A stop to it. We're putting a stop to it. It ain't happening. 
So you, you 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 prefer the one on one, two on one, three on two? Where are you in the the odd man rush? Because that's actually a hockey term. Are you are you are you okay with the odd man rush? The odd man rush. Come on, come on. That's just it. Let's stay stick with football, stick with basketball. Quick crossing over. Except I do say we always we do allow now the old hockey assist. I like that term for hoop. So. We'll yeah, the, the extra pass, the double assist, is that was yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Of course, it's not a real stat, but so is he? What is he? Ta- what specific part is he taking issue with? The fact that it was a V. I said V. Is that the issue? Yeah. yeah. He he uh, yeah. he is old school, uh-huh. and um, and and that term years ago, it was just very simply one on one. Right. And and I guess he assumes uh, that you're either trying to implement soccer language, uh, uh-huh. as our good friend uh, David Casper would like, who's uh, the soccer coach here at ETSU, and listen to our show because he has to. It's yeah. right across the wall. Literally behind or, um, uh, or he just thinks you're lazy because you don't say the word on and you do V. Short by a letter. Short by a letter. you got to be very expeditious now, on the radio. Now, in fairness, I feel like that's something I would do, not you would do, is try to shorten things up. Uh, because I am clearly the lazy one of this duo on the show. Clearly, I think that Crazy Coach went into listening to that highlight package that we put up because he did comment on Twitter, and that's how I figured out what he was talking about. I think he just went in looking for something to poke holes in. That's uh, yeah, we had to do it. That's, uh, <laughs> had to do it. If, if, I had to do it. He, said. he listen. He and a few other people who are supposed friends of mine, yes, will listen to the three-hour broadcast of me talking to myself and pick out the, the one, one thing, thing right? <laughs> that you just had well, a Freudian slip or you do whatever, and next thing you know, it's like, ah, oh, you believe you said that? I don't even know. I talk for three hours yeah. to myself. I have Probably no idea. Remember what I'm it? Talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't even know. All right, you want to hear hey, what Jay. other coaches say? What hey, do you got, Jay. Coach? Yes. Hey, Jay, the story. Is- the score is 37-28, and for some reason, we're down 11. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> you know? That's the – okay. It, the worst is when it jumps from, like, 9 to 11 or 11 to 9 and keeps going back and forth because, as Crazy Coach knows, that is the struggle for me. If it goes, like, 7 to 9, I'm good, right? If, if, if it goes from, like, 13 to 15, I'm fine. When it goes between – the single day, and also 19 and 21 throw me off too. If it somehow jumps the next tens, that's when I struggle. Well, just hope you, you know, let the wife keep the checkbook. I'm quite sure, Crazy Coach, you will not struggle with these sound bites we have for you this week. And we've got a few saved up just because it has been so long. Uh, geez, like six or so weeks. Uh, and we are, we are happy that you are back, of course. Kim Mulkey, you may be familiar with, is the Baylor women's basketball coach. Baylor, of course, a powerhouse in women's basketball and she was a little perturbed with the idea that in January you need to win a game to be a number one seed come the NCAA tournament in March. We practice tomorrow. What do I do with them tomorrow? Because the most important thing right now is Lubbock, Texas and Texas Tech. We will enjoy this and they should enjoy it but you can't overemphasize it because our league is tough our league, league is physical. We play each other twice. But on a national scale, I guess if you ask people, man, we got to win this game to get a one seed. What the hell? So should UConn lose their number one seed because we beat them? Heavens, no. We're just one of the elite programs. They're the elite of the elite, and we want what they have. They have a lot of them, and we just have two. Crazy Coach, I feel like this may be one of the things that she was talking about national championships at the end, I believe, a lot to two. But I think this is maybe one of the things that you may get perturbed about with media. One of the many things is that 
there's always a storyline in the bigger picture, and media is jumping to a lot of things that aren't there yet. Uh, am I correct on that? And your thoughts on if a number one seed, I'm not sure if you've ever had to worry about that as a coach in the NCAA tournament, but a number one seed in January, can it be decided? No. You can't, you know, what if you lose three games in, uh, in at the end of the year? You're up, you have the whole freaking season. Uh, you got to look at the whole season. Um, and then, you know, the whole number one seed. Uh, the only person who probably lose the number one seed is, is somebody that's the uh, fourth number one seed, and they lose two or three games in January. But it's way too early. Uh, that's media-driven. Um, they got to look. They got to come up with stories. You know, 24 hours now, everything moves in 24 hours. Hell, it's not even 24 hours. It moves in five minutes. So that's made up. And I don't, you know, I don't know if somebody asked her a question about the number one seed or, but it's it's made up. You don't worry about it. I mean, if you're that good as Baylor is in Connecticut, they really don't worry about the number one seed. My guess is, is if somebody didn't ask it, she had heard that because the way she referenced the national media, that that somebody probably, if if she wasn't asked directly, somebody had said, "Well, if Baylor Baylor needs us to solidify that they'd be a number one seed." Is is what I gather out of it, and that perturbed her um, to the point of that game win or lose. Because you're right, what if Baylor lost that game, rattled off. You know the rest of the schedule. You know, and and looking at everybody else they've beaten, they probably be number one. Honestly, looking at their schedule, so I and, and I, I did like her point. It's laughable. You know, do you do you jump somebody just because um, you beat them? Like right now, right? Tennessee and Duke are, are you know battling number one, number two in the polls and in respective polls. And if they played each other and and it was a close game, I mean, I don't think that would knock one of them out of the number one seed, right? When you get two top teams in the country going at it, I just don't think it it, it goes that way. No, you, you did. Uh, Duke lost their number one seed the other day at Syracuse. I mean, they no, it's it's a long season. The number one seed talk is probably 95% you know media driven up until you know you get the number one seed and you know if you get the one, number one seed you don't want to go up against UMBC that's a very good point to be fair Kim Mulkey is no stranger to uh, having great quotes last year uh, she said that a uh, critic of the school should be knocked in the face, and she had to uh, walk back those comments a bit later. I think Baylor's probably pretty safe for a number one seed at this point. Uh, Fifteen and one overall, five and zero in the league. Of course, anything can happen on the stretch, but they are certainly one of the powerhouses in uh, women's basketball around the country. Uh, Jim Montgomery from the Dallas Stars. We're not people that like to talk about hockey on the show. I think we've maybe dedicated about 90 or so seconds to it in the five or so months of the show, but he was quite disappointed with his team's culture of mediocrity. It's frustrating. Um, you know, two games in a row where we don't compete at a level that's acceptable. It's it's everybody. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm very frustrated that I've not been able to gain consistency in our performance and I haven't been able to change the culture of mediocrity. I don't know, my job is to keep trying. last two games have has been real gut punch for me personally because I just don't think I'm being able to get across how we're supposed to execute and the more important part is never mind the execution. The effort can overcome a lot of mistakes but there's not the effort there right now to overcome mistakes. <clears throat> Unfortunately, 
there's been too many times where we have to think about how do we motivate these guys. That's a problem in and itself that we've had to do that so many times this year already. I can only reflect on how I need to be better. I can't reflect on what, what they're thinking and how they need to improve. I can make suggestions. Crazy Coach, do you have experience with a, quote, culture of mediocrity? And please help us define it. What does a culture of mediocrity mean, and what does it look like? I think what he was saying is they accept, you know, just going out there and going to work and and just going out and playing. Well, they're getting paid to win, and they're getting paid to try to win the Stanley Cup, and he doesn't see that right now. From the way he sounds, it's like, okay, I've done all I can. Uh, it, I don't know where else to go, so I'm going to put it in public and then see if that works. I mean, you try not to criticize your players in public, but uh, it looks like he's been struggling with it for a while. So he tried the old, hey, let's call him out in public and see what happens. So this is, Crazy Coach, a calculated move. It's never something where maybe never is too big of a generalization, but oftentimes you go into a press conference and you're not just going to be fueled off emotion, say maybe a John Calipari, uh, a Cheney moment in uh, a press conference. But uh, for the most part, this is something that maybe he thought about. How else can I get through? I've tried everything. I'm at the end of my rope. Uh, This is something calculated that he says, if I don't do this, I'm pretty much out of options and ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think he just, hey, he, he put it on them now. And so he said, I've tried everything that I know. And and he went out and he just said, hey, I'm going to do it in public and see how they respond. And, uh, you know, some players will respond. And, uh, you know, the millennials, on the millennials on the team will call their mom and complain about it. <laughs> I, that's what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy Coach knows me well. Uh, to one final one. Uh, by the way, Dallas is seventh in the West. They are in the playoffs right now if they did start today. But it was like a two-game stretch or something. It sounded like he was upset about. A man you may be familiar with in our last soundbite uh, on this version of Crazy Coach uh, Thursday here on Sandus and the Psychic and the Buccaneer Sports Network. Bob Huggins, West Virginia. They've lost six of their last seven. They're nine and ten, one and six in the Big 12. I can't remember the last time Bob Huggins had a team like this. It's very out of character. And... Coach Huggins has some thoughts on why that might be. Basketball is kind of like a girlfriend. If you don't pay attention to her, she's probably going to drift off on you. I I, I look at basketball that way. Basketball is something you got to love. you got to love, you got to be committed to, you got to spend time with. And when you don't do that, basketball gets mad, just like your girlfriend would. Crazy Coach Bob Huggins has made the windbreaker famous and stylish, and he's also made winning uh, pretty darn uh, guaranteed uh, at West Virginia. Is basketball like a girlfriend? It seems like the comparisons are maybe running a bit off the reservation in this season that isn't going their way, but uh, he makes some good points. If you don't love it, don't pay attention to it. You're probably not going to win a lot, probably not going to have a lot of success. Well, uh, he is. I think he's 100% correct. I mean, if you're involved with somebody and uh, all of a sudden you got to spend more time out fishing, out golfing, or whatever, and not spend the time with her, you're going to end up without her. And I think that's what he put on the the uh, Mountaineers. They're not uh, – sounds like, you know, and this is totally guessed, that maybe they're not committed like uh, the previous teams have been. And uh, he's – again, he's putting it out there. And, you know, Hugs, Hugs has been around forever. He, he doesn't care what anybody else says about his team as long – 
as they are competing at a high level. And I think right now, up until Saturday, when they waxed uh, Kansas by one or two, uh, they have not been competing for a long, long time. They haven't been going. They've been doing it like two or three minutes. But, you know, he's got a style of play where they get in your face for 40 minutes, and it sounds like they haven't been doing that. So is it Huggy Bear's fault he's allowing the guys to pick bad girlfriends, or, or how does that work? How, how much – because I always find it interesting when a coach attacks a full squad because – in college, he gets to pick his squad, right? Well, he did. I mean, and, uh, you know, they lost a great player. And um, I think what he's saying is, like, the, nobody has picked up where he's let off. They don't have uh, – they might not have the leaders they've had in the past. Uh, and, again, when you lose somebody like they did, um, it's hard to replace that person – with a freshman, and I think that's what they're trying to do, and it's not working out right now. Crazy Coach, how's your basketball season going? Everything well on your end? How are the holidays? I just want to oh, catch up and get Crazy Coach's opinion on how things have gone over the last six weeks. It's, uh, it's been a good last six weeks. I've watched a lot of wins. So uh, every game I go to, you end up undefeated. I've been undefeated for six <laughs> weeks. So. That's fantastic. Why uh, coach when you can be undefeated? You know, you know, it's one thing that annoys me all. Why, why is every press conference now we have people talking about, hey, our culture, our, you know, uh, then the other media-driven thing is future, future Hall of Famer. Come on, man. we got to come up with some new things. I'm tired of dealing with the culture and the process and future Hall of Famers. Can, can't you guys come up with something new? Crazy no. Coach, what do you think an ideal press conference would sound like? Oh, John Chaney. Cal Perry, that was the ideal. <laughs> yeah, okay. I disagree. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of that, what did you feel like? That was uh, uh, your 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 boy. Uh, it's it, it's your boy, Pat Adams, and the weird Mac uh, coach's ejection with uh, uh, Dan Hurley and Heath. Um, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Stan Heath or whatever. The did you see that? I saw the video, and it's really weird. So I don't know. I don't know if there was words said, uh, but it was uh, it was strange. It was strange, it, and I, you know, unless you're down there listening to exactly what was said, I don't think you can really give an honest opinion. I wasn't there. You see it. You see Hurley get the technical, and then all of a sudden they're like, boop, boop, boop. I'm like, what the heck? Right. I mean, and you see it, Hurley actually going going around the guy and like headed to the other coach, or unless he got him from coming out of the box. But it was a timeout, I think. So you can you can be out of the box at the timeout. And now I don't know about the new rule with the you know they've extended the coach's box a little. I don't know what that means if you know in timeouts can he cross that or you know so who knows. I I did find it interesting that, that both guys did come out and and both say like you know that was kind of warranted like 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 they didn't like. The way it kind of started and went down, you think, well, these guys are heated and this, that, and other. And Heath walked off the floor. But afterwards, they were both like, look, we've known each other a long time. Like, I, like we, we, we were having a conversation. Referee steps in. Next thing you know, we're both ejected. I mean, they, <laughs> they didn't feel like that. And reading the postgame, now that may just be for fodder later. And behind closed doors, maybe they had a, a, a phone conversation. It got a little loud. But uh, it, it seemed like from both of them separately, doing a press conference, probably not knowing what the other one said. They both kind of 
uh, sang the same song. Like, hey, this, you know, we were having a conversation. Next thing you know, the referee got over there and it, it, it escalated, and all of a sudden we were rejected. Well, you, you never know what that conversation was either. He might have been crushing the ref. <laughs> so, oh, that's true, too. And the yeah, ref heard it. All right, crazy coach, you've never done that in your life. Crush your ref. We'll step aside for a timeout. We'll see you next Thursday, buddy. Safe travels on the road. Maybe we'll get you back in studios soon. But uh, when we come uh, back, the – Hey, buddy. We'll the studio better. <laughs> hey, we have a new studio. you got to come check that out. So. Nice, nice. It's about time. I mean, is that is that going to be your legacy? You brought a new studio? The Jay Sando second-floor studio. Yeah, I'm, listen, I'm going to buy two fat heads, one of mine and an extremely large one of yours, and then we'll put it on there. That way it's to I, scale. <laughs> All right, buddy. Can we get a, get a calculator to keep the score? Thanks. No, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. All right, four quarters after this. And sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot day's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Four quarters. Four. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. Four quarters. 
here on Sandoz in the sidekick. Trey Adams, Mike Gallagher, Jay Sandoz, the best trio, I think, the best trio in all of podcasting. It's time for the best segment of the week, and it is four quarters. The first quarter. So ETSU women's basketball picking up a huge victory on Wofford again on Saturday. And Micah Sheets scoring her career-high 21 points. Will she follow that up again tonight, scoring another career-high versus Samford? I mean, you give a guy a little leeway, and he didn't even let us come in and say he's just He's doing the intro. He's doing the segment. He's throwing it out there. I'll get the question one in a second, the first quarter, whatever you want to call it. But – Given in, she's taken the entire highway. It's unbelievable. Is that, yeah, yeah, okay, why don't you, we'll give you a segment. And then I mean, the next day not, comes in and just steals the intro yeah, to a segment. Does, does he not know how this works? Like we, Apparently not. Like, evidently not. All Are right. you shocked that he does not know how it works? Oh, my goodness. He didn't even know what the name, on the yesterday's, right, the Wednesday show, he has no idea what the segment name is. No. Like, he just hadn't figured it out, all because he couldn't figure out how to follow suit with whatever he gave. But to answer first quarter, if you will, do I think Micah Sheets is going to – have another career high? The easy answer is no, right, to take the under because obviously she just had her best game in her career. Or do you think she is going to continue and take another step up? The reason I'm going to say no has nothing really to do with Micah Sheets, but I think, Mike, the style that Sanford plays will not lead to as many shot attempts as there were in the Wofford contest. Yeah, and I'm 100% with that. This strikes me as a 55-51 type game. On the road, grind it out, try and limit turnovers as much as you can, but Sanford's going to try and make it ugly, I believe. They struggle to score, so they're not going to stick with you in a shootout. Now, if the game gets to 70, uh, Micah Sheets could very well have a career high, and the Bucks will probably blow them out of the building, but Micah Sheets is averaging 20 per game over her last three as well. It's not like this is a one-time thing. She's had 19, 18, and 21, and so that 19 tied her career high, so she's tied or broken it two of the last three. So compelling, right? She's hot, but I'm going to say Bucks in a close one, which means not a lot of points in Sanford, which means not a lot of points for Micah Sheets. Yeah, I think if she was playing a different type of style of yeah. team, I would go yes. The second quarter. So ETSU men's basketball looking to get back in the win column. They play Western Carolina on Saturday. What's one matchup on the floor you are looking forward to seeing? I think for me the biggest matchup, uh, and I love that question because I think I think it's got to be the two big guys. I think it's Jerome Rodriguez who's got 12 double-doubles. Carlos Dotson I think has 9 or 10 double-doubles. Uh, both are ranked nationally as far as total rebounds, uh, rebounds per game, double-doubles, all that. So – um, I, both guys can really go get the basketball when it comes off the rim. So I, that to me, that's the most compelling matchup. And I never thought I would be picking almost a rebounding matchup over a couple of scores going at it. But I'm going to go rebounds uh, between the two big guys. That's my most interesting matchup against Western. Yeah, and I hate to be repetitive because we talked about it with Daniel Hooker too, but I don't think there's going to be another place that this game is decided except down low and you and me kind of joked off here like oh, it seems like everybody that we're looking at in terms of matchups that's always big well maybe that's just because ETSU has relied a lot on those big guys inside we have one of the best big guys in the certainly conference if not region I don't know exactly what it is but yeah I definitely think that down low uh, Milad Narmas Jerome Rodriguez is going to be huge uh, Lucas Goussaint yeah, obviously Western has their own big men as well but but I think it'll definitely be um, down low there's not a place where I think that these two teams um, 
stand out in terms of, you know, back and forth being great at any one thing aside from down low. So uh, whoever gets the best fit in the paint, expect them to win. Third quarter. All right, so we're closing up about halfway uh, through the regular season of the Southern Conference. Uh, what is an early SoCon Player of the Year candidate for you guys? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, it's funny. Wofford's undefeated. Yeah, but I'm going. I want to go back to what you were laughing about that the you know the, the the big guys and all that stuff. And I I think you know maybe it is just a big guy. I, I agree. I think I think it is much more this year than it's ever been before. And you can look at about eight of the ten teams, and, and, and considering that Dowie's considered a big man at Citadel, I mean, really, there's about eight guys that you can look at and, and give a run for your money because it's really not, you know, ten shooters leading the league in scoring like it used to be. I know, I know you got the Bubba Parhams and the Fletcher McGee's and the Francis Alonzo, but, you know, Matt Rafferty in, in, at Furman is in the top ten of nine different categories and is doing it all uh, and shooting very efficiently and doing it all as well as he plays defense. I, to me, I think him, um, I, I think, uh, uh, I, I'm going to say him, but I think there's a couple other names that people wouldn't jump out at. And the other ones I'm going to say is a Wofford guy, Nathan Hoover, because of what he's been able to do, not just points. Now, he, you know, the problem with him is I think in most people's eyes he's the third wheel, right? Well, right, and that kind of leads me to what I was going to say. I'm going to go with, of course, we think Fletcher McGee. That's the name that comes to mind with Wofford, but you say third wheel. It's Fletcher, Fletcher McGee, third wheel is Nathan Hoover, and my player of the year is Cam Jackson, who I think is no, that quote-unquote number two. And that's the thing about Wofford, right? They can I mean, hit from many different angles. Okay, you think about how great ETSU's been on the glass nationally, and Cam Jackson's the big reason why, A, Wofford came into ETSU and beat them in Freedom Hall. He was also not in the game last year where ETSU went to Wofford and won. And this year, down at the indoor Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium, he was very dominant uh, against ETSU, against what we think is the best big men in the Southern Conference. And, and you know, there are other people saying that. It's not just blue and gold glasses on, but when, when you look at the, the rebounding numbers and some other things and the physicality they play with. And I have to agree, normally the player of the year comes from a team that is leading the league, and right now Furman is fourth in the league. Right. And so, um, it's very hard for guys that aren't on winning, and not that Furman's not a winning team, but it's hard for somebody to finish fourth or fifth in the league and win a player of the year award. Well, let's talk about some of those categories. You said top ten in like nine different categories. So right now, Matt Rafferty's fifth in scoring, Cam Jackson is tenth. Rebounding, Matt Rafferty's third in rebounding, Cam Jackson sixth. Field goal percentage, they're one and two. Rafferty 64%, Cam Jackson 60%. Uh, and then you look at, uh, for instance, let's say block shots, third Matt Rafferty, sixth Cam Jackson. So, yeah. Even assists. I think Rafferty's even in uh, top ten in assists. So, so Matt Rafferty and some of those that I just narrowed it down to, though, yes, is better than Cam Jackson. So I win. But That's what I just heard I won. I think that <laughs> the team win-loss and the fact no, that they're on top of the conference, right. I, I think that that will be what pushes him yeah. above Matt Rafferty. Now, at the end of the year, it could look completely different. Fletcher McGee could have, like, 10, 30-point games in a row, and it could be a whole different conversation. But right now, since I generally take the best team and usually the best player on it, since Fletcher McGee hasn't necessarily always been that best player, like we usually see him 22 to 25 points a game, he's at like 17 and a half. That tells me that I need to look elsewhere, and I look on the same team with Cam Jackson. I tend to agree with you, although I think I'm more right on the individual. I think think voters would agree with you more because they are. The fourth quarter. And the best quarter, uh, the Royal Rumble coming up this Sunday night. 
Uh, if you guys were going to enter the Royal Rumble, what number would you want and why? What in the world? Trey. Trey. First of all, how many? There's 30. Is that correct? I don't know. I don't watch wrestling. Is there 30? Said the guy wearing the HBK shirt. That was, that was, that was, Trey um, or me? I don't know. What's HBK? 30. 30 <laughs> I think there's, thir- there's 30 guys. There's 30. Okay. There's 30, 30 okay. guys. All right. Then I'll. Call me crazy, uh-huh. but I'd be third. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm real good at math, but I, I think if you're the last guy to enter and okay, but, other but what if you, what there? if you entered as number one though, and then you won it? Like, wouldn't that be the greatest accomplishment in wrestling history? That's that's like saying for me, uh-huh. do I want to play um, the highest teams I can to win a championship? No, I want to play the teams that upset the highest teams and play a lower seed and coast into a title. That's the type of guy I am. Sure, but I don't want to play the best teams. I want the eight seed to beat the if – if, if each issue is the two seed or three seed, I want the eight to beat the one and the seven to beat the two, and we're the three seed walking on in there. That's the type of guy I am. I don't want to beat two and one if I'm the three seed. So, no, I don't want to be one. I want to be 30. I think it would be such an accomplishment that I would want the challenge of being number one, and this is clearly – you can see the dynamics on the show here. It's someone that probably – Works and thinks smarter in Jay Sandoz. And, yes, I'll say that. Works and thinks smarter. And me, who is kind of stubborn, bullheaded, wants the hardest path to something and wants to go conquer that path. And I'm not, there's no right or wrong, I think, here. I think that it's just a preference and a style. And so I want number one. I want to go win it, even though I'm guessing in wrestling that's probably never happened, right? Oh, I'm I'd probably – I have no idea, but it probably has. I mean, that Really? Uh, well, I suppose it – I'm guessing right, it has. This is based off story. Right, yeah, right. Sure. Okay, I'm, fair I'm enough. Guess, I'm guessing. Fair enough. Yeah. They I'm probably guessing, wrote it in for someone. I'm guessing uh, Hogan or one of the, the, the big guns has probably done that at some point. But, fair. Uh, uh, one of the big guns? I'm sure you could name, like, 50 other big guns. Come on. Let's, um, well, let's, let, let's level with it, you. You're it, probably a wrestling it, guy. Stop and start to Ric Flair. Other than that, I don't care. Okay. Yeah. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Sure, sure. Very good. We're starting right. to show a little bit of our wrestling yeah. fandom as this yeah. composition turns Especially from the 80s. And I'm more of a fan of the 80s when I was a kid. And, you know, believe it was when they had, nice. like, three moves or it would be, like, a chop, a punch, oh, and a slam. Uh, the greatest commentator of all time, Gordon Sully. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, what do we got tomorrow, right, Friday? We will we'll recap. Recap, uh, preview, preview, bold predictions. Oh, yeah. Here's the show. There you go. I don't even know why I need to talk, so. All right, women's basketball coverage, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip, ETSU versus Stanford. Sidekick will have the play-by-play of that. As you said, we'll recap and preview all the weekends coming up. We'll also have bold predictions. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to make a comeback. Tomorrow's show. Buccaneers. Of course, that works.